Welcome to Thursday. I'm Reginald Brett. I'm Arnie Costell. And we have a special guest that Arnie's going to introduce right now. I, a, a player that one of my real good teammates and friends and partner in crime, another left-handed pitcher named Rick Smith. I will probably call him Smitty a lot. And he's with us today. He lives in Massachusetts. Go ahead, Rick. You have a wonderful thing you've done after baseball. Uh, Reggie, I got to tell you, I, I listened to um, I think enough of your podcast uh, to feel like um, I, I do know you a little bit. Um, I, I'm certain about the way you treat people, um, and that certainly made me comfortable with the idea of getting on this today. I treat everybody except Arnie. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and what matters right here today is that Arnie and I were teammates, and um, I was I was an eyewitness. <laughs> we will not ask you to testify. Here we are almost 50 years later, and, and uh, we're still friends. We were good friends. Rick is a class act, I have to tell you. And I, I, the only thing with Rick, I did never wanted to stand next to him. Remember, Reggie, you know how I told you about my height? I got that height problem. Right. I, I lied all the time about it. Well, Rick is legitimately like six five. The other, he sends me a photo and says he can eat peas off the top of my head. <laughs> and cause we're standing together and, and I'm on my toes and everything. And Rick is towering over me. <laughs> I wondered why you always managed to sit next to me instead of stand next to me. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. We had a lot of fun together though. Uh, you know, one of the classic stories that I do have to tell is we were playing in Niagara Falls and it was cold. It was in April. It was cold. It's a Pirates farm team, or it was then. And Rick and I are out in the bullpen and it's real cold. There's no heaters. There's nothing. So we went underneath the stands. It's an old wooden ballpark. And we saw this metal trash can. So we, we saw some broken bats. We saw some other pieces of wood. We put it all in there. And we started a fire <laughs> to keep warm. Well, Rick kept telling me, put more wood on, put more wood on. So I did. And it was great. We were getting warm, except for the fact that the fire, it caught on the stands. <laughs> and it burned down half the stands of the Niagara Falls Pirates. And there I am, and everybody's blaming me for it. And I'm not, you know, and Rick is standing there with a sheepish grin on his face. And, you know, and that's Rick for you. But I love the man. Well, I, Reggie, um, I'm going to tell you, Arnie has a, he suffers from a condition that my older brother has. <laughs> he, he remembers things, but he actually takes like two or three stories <laughs> to create a new story. <laughs> so, my memory may be a little selective here about this one. <laughs> but you know, Rick. We had, uh, I tell you, Rich, we had a we had a great time, and uh, you know, one of the one of the things about Ani that uh, kind of separated him, uh, aside from being, you know, that bat crap crazy. <laughs> I mean, he could he could throw a baseball like few have ever thrown it. And um, I think he'll confirm that he he had some teammates that threw very hard also. Oh, yeah. Not we had. you and 
Rick, that I am so humbled when it comes to that. When you say things like that, I, you know, because I love to be able to show it off. And, you know, when we had our bullpens and I would just love when that happened and all of that, it was, I appreciate you saying something like that. Honey, I remember the night you were, you were learning for the first time how to throw a spitball. <laughs> <laughs> a, legitimate, a legitimate spitball. And uh, yeah. we had a catcher who had signed out of high, high school out of New Jersey. Right. And uh, he, was, he, was, he was catching Arnie in the bullpen, and, um, and he didn't have a chest protector on. <laughs> <laughs> he just had his mask on. And um, so Arnie threw it. And I, I'll never forget, so Kitts obviously is a right-handed catcher. And as the pitch is coming in at the speed of a fastball, he reaches across his body with his left hand, with his glove, to grab it. And right as he got near it, the ball just dove <laughs> into his ribs. <laughs> and he was hurt. And he was rolling around. But see, that's the thing. You know, Arnie had the ability to do that. We so once learn how to throw a new pitch, and uh, he figured it out in about 10 minutes in the bullpen. Yeah, we had uh, fun. I'll, I'll also tell you that uh, my, my, my most memorable Monte Costell fastball happened. I don't, want, I don't want this story to be too long, but just if I could tell it quickly. Go ahead, take your time. system with their minor league teams, where they would send a group of coaches, a group of coaches to arrive in a town for a few days and, and work with that team. And these guys were all older gentlemen. And they arrived in Oneana. And so instead of being at the ballpark late in the afternoon like we used to be, like we always did, rather, we'd, we'd be there, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning and work out oh. there for a few hours. So they had one coach who looked like the character on the show Cheers, <laughs> and who was called Coach. I don't know if you remember. But yes, of course. Guy, he'd been a major leaguer. This guy looked almost exactly like that guy. And he was older, and he's wearing the Yankee pinstripes. The drill he set up was he had all the infielders there, and it was a butt defense drill. So there was a catcher who had no gear on other than his glove, and we all the pitchers were lined up behind the mound, and we each had a baseball. And there was a baseman and a third baseman, and this old coach had a fungal bat standing in the right-handed batter's box. So what we were doing was taking turns. We'd step on the mound, we'd go into the stretch and stop, and then just toss the ball to the catcher. No. Just toss it no. And then that coach, who looked like Coach Hunchiers, would drop down a bunt with the fungo, either the third base side or the first base side. And then we had to come off the mound full speed and, you know, interact with the infielder and make the right decision regarding who's going to throw the first base. So we're going around and around in this line to get repeated repetitions. And, you know, I had done it a couple of times, but now he's standing next to me. And, and he's, he's going to be stepping up next. And he looks at me and goes, I'm going to make these guys remember me. So <laughs> the coaches are standing around watching. So now Artie gets up on the mound, goes into the stretch and stops, and he fires about a hundred mile an hour. <laughs> okay, and he threw it over the plate. Thank God he threw it over the plate. But this old coach's knees just. <laughs> I remember that, Smitty. Yeah, I remember him getting so mad at me. Right. Teammates, Reggie, 
and he, I told I said, told that story, and he remembered every detail. Of it. Uh, I remember that when you said I just remember the coach. I don't even remember his name or whatever. I just remember the coach part, and I just remember how pissed he was, <laughs> and he started cursing me out. And uh, yeah, but I threw him a blur. I didn't care. You, you could have killed him. You could have killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Vernicular, say, involuntary manslaughter. And you know what I remember, Smitty? We telling you I was going to do it. I remember telling you that. I go, I'm going to make these guys remember. We had so much fun, Smitty, and all of that. You know, I don't know if I finally told you that, you know, in my case, you know, I had a rotator cuff injury before they were fashionable and it all came tumbling down and it ended for me and um you know I, I i had graduated from college and i had a degree in education so that was going to be like my motive i didn't know how it was going to work out but i came back to massachusetts and i started substitute teaching and within about a month uh, <clears throat> i caught a break and i i got a teacher job and i started i started doing some coaching and uh, that turned into a, a 34 year career as an educator um, that included teacher, coach, assistant principal, principal, and then the last nine years that I worked out was a superintendent of schools. Wow. Um, I didn't even know that, Smitty. Which I worked with. Well, I'll tell you, man, the disclaimer is absolutely nothing ever special about me. But I, I can tell you that um, I benefited greatly, as I think most people can and do, if they participated in athletics when they were younger. For me... Um, I think one of the most important things I learned was how to lose and get up the next day and go back at it. You know, he, the jobs that I had, even as a as a high school principal and as a superintendent of schools, and I had a lot of authority, but I didn't always get everything I wanted. You know, I mean, I had to interact with other people that had authority also, and sometimes we disagreed and things didn't go my way. But what I noticed over the decades was that I always seemed to be the person in the room that was like, all right, you know, I lost this. I'll fight the same battle tomorrow if I get the opportunity. Um, but losing didn't impact me um, the way I think I saw it impact some other people. And the other, the other thing that, that it did for me was it caused me when I was looking to hire people, um, both as a principal and even more importantly as a superintendent, when I was hiring principals. Um, as an aside, I'll tell you, the most important job a school superintendent has is hiring principals because they have the greatest impact on the greatest number of people, children, teachers and staff, parents. You hire the wrong principal, they're all going to suffer. Right. So when I was interviewing principals, people who were candidates for principals in my district, one of the things I wanted to figure out as soon as possible, either by talking to them or by talking to people who had worked with them, is can they handle the word no? Because they're going to hear it from me. And, and a lot of people didn't learn as kids that, hey, you hear the word no, you don't drop your head, you don't start sulking, you don't get a bad attitude. And I know that that's the direct result of not getting everything I wanted when I was a kid playing sports. I learned. Don't, don't ever go home and complain about Smitty, it. Smitty, what I see, what I see from you, was, which I didn't know until you were telling me, was some of your health issues. And you made a comment to me how, like, you're going to kick the world in the in the butt. You know, Rick, you had a heart attack, right? Well, you know, well, that, that's another, you know, the long chapter in my life. When I, I had just turned 37 years old in 1988, 
and I had a heart attack. And I, now, it was in my family. My dad had gone through the same sort of thing. So from 1988 until now, I've been dealing with that. And I've had, I mean, I think I, I think I could say, I don't know everything about heart disease, but I think I could say I've had almost everything that can happen to a heart happen to me, with the exception of needing a transplant or having a valve replacement. Um, now, since 1988, I've gotten, I've had, I've gotten 13 cardiac stents. I've had open heart surgery. I had an aneurysm on my aorta. Um, but I look at that also, and uh, I've been blessed. And any, any survival that I've had has been through the grace of God, 100%. Yeah, but you know something, 100%. Smitty, but you had, and this is what I, I love to, to talk to people about. As an athlete, and you, myself, and Reggie sitting here reached pretty much the top, the pinnacle of where we were attempting. You know, then we, you can fine tune it. You know, I, I would have loved to want a Cy Young Award or whatever. But it was that approach, that athletic mentality. And then that, now you don't have to be an athlete to have it, but I think you notice that successful people, whether it be in business or whatnot, or in life, will have this mentality that an athlete has. And in like in your case, all your, your employment uh, uh, abilities and your health issues, you treated it in, in, in the same arena that we treated sports. And that's why you've been real successful. Uh, you can't grow a mustache and you never will. <laughs> and, uh, and that's about, you know, and that's what, what it boils down to. I don't know if Rick told you, but I spent 17 years teaching, Rick. You know, it ended very quickly because I got hurt. And, um, you know, it ended, I was obviously still in the minor leagues. Um, you and I can tell you, I've never, I've never really gotten over that. Um, no. You know, that's something that uh, it's still true. It all ends abruptly for all of us. Yes. Like <laughs> Reggie, Reggie was saying, he was telling you before you, you didn't hear him, though, I Smitty. Like, I feel like when you're denied things and you realize that you've, you've continued to move ahead and progress, that that kind of becomes a habit. Hey, when I was working, I did not get every job I applied for. Of course not. You know, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't always go my way. And I, did, I certainly didn't do, things, didn't do things perfectly, but I always felt like um, regardless of what I was facing, um, you know, I had a shot. You know, I had a dog in the fight. And uh, and I might, if I, if I lost, you know, I was able to get up, like I said, and go back the next day. And I, and I take no credit for that. No, no. Oh no no I no I understand what you're saying. The book of James, you know, your strength comes from God's grace, and and I I've definitely uh, felt that. When I'll be seven years old in in a couple months, um, I'll be married forty five years, and you're a warrior. Yeah, well I got you know I got and and that's the thing you know when I had that heart attack in eighty eight. I didn't know when I was going to have another one, or how long it was going to last, and um, how long I was going to last. But you know, here it is. It's, it'll be 33 years on May 3rd. You know, since that date. And when I talked to my doctors and I asked them, "How many other people do you have that are alive 33 years after a heart attack?" 
The only one that has them is my cardiologist at Mass General Hospital. And he's told me he only has a few others. And they're all real ill. They all have really bad heart failure. Well, I don't have that. I jogged this morning. You know, I mean, trust me, you can't go any slower than I jogged. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do my two miles. You never, Rick. Rick, Rick, you, you, you can't see me. I, I told you. I told you, Rick. I had, a, I had a race. I had a race with a pregnant lady the other day and came in third. So, I mean, you know. I won't jog on the main, what we would call the main street in our small town here because I don't want anybody to see me going that slowly. Okay? I'm wearing a mask. Nobody's identifying me. But, I, um, well, anyway, I mean, that, what I was thinking about, we were going to talk about. Right, I told you. I, that's what I said. You know, it's interesting. Like, um, you know, as all, to different degrees, obviously, former athletes, um, you know, what, what really has made a difference? Um, as you said earlier, it's learning how to lose helps you win. Without it, Reggie, you know, Reggie was a, te- a teacher, and I, I marvel at that. 17 years, I taught English. And it's wonderful, and uh, and you're not like someone who taught for two years. No. Okay, because the difference what what a person who taught two years knows, and what a person who taught five years knows, and ten and fifteen, etc. You know what you know is everything. Right? I mean, I work with a lot of people who taught that long, and and then they know everything, and I'm sure you do too. I know a little bit. He does. And my kids don't think and, I know boo boo. Nor does my wife. Matter of fact, she yelled at me this morning. I said, "Get me, get get out of here." <laughs> you know, Rick. I tell you what. It's just so interesting when I'm listening to you talk, and I think about when we were playing, and it was just so much fun. You know. Well, well think about it, Andy. We were, you know, we were like 21, 22 years old. Yeah. You know, getting paid a little money to play baseball. Oh. And we, we, we had a game every day. Yep. I mean, we, used, we got to the point where we used to pray for rain. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know that. We played every day. We got to go there and do that. Right. I mean, what a blessing. What, what a life, right? What an opportunity. We spring training, and, and they gave us uh, Easter Sunday off. Yeah. And, um, you know, a bunch of us went to the beach and, um, one of my friends uh, who played with us, uh, he didn't play with you, he played with me. He still quotes me to this day saying, I can't believe we're getting paid to do this. Oh, you know? I remember. You know what I remember one That's day? That's Smitty, I remember one day. It was my first spring training. And where all of a sudden in the middle of the afternoon, you know, we the, all the pitchers and we have to run. And I remember running next to somebody and asking them how many, you know, we were going around the whole complex. And I said, well, how many times do we got to do this? And they said, oh, when they finish eating. I go, what are you talking about when they finish eating? (laughs) It's 118 degrees in Fort Lauderdale. We're running around this huge complex and and, then the coaches are having lunch. Well, let me tell you about one guy we play with. I mentioned him already. His name is Caleb Glover, he was from Chicago. Oh, yeah. Outside of Chicago. Psycho. He was two, about 180 pounds. He was a right-handed pitcher. Okay, well, he was the fastest runner in the entire New York Yankee organization. Yep. All right? He told me that when he was a kid, and, and they were out raising, raising heck, 
uh, in Chicago and the police would arrive. He could outrun him. He said when they saw him, they just went to his house and waited. (laughs) (laughs) When when he was in spring training, the Yankees had a player named um, Larry Murray, who was Eddie Murray, the Hall of Famer's older brother. Larry Murray was fast as lightning, so much so that George Steinbrenner brought him up from the minor leagues. I think it was like 75, just to, just to steal bases. That's how fast he was. So in spring training, people decided, somebody decided, Caleb Glover and Larry Murray were going to have a race. They were going to race, and it was about an 80-yard stretch, okay? So, bang, here they go. Caleb gets to about the 40-yard point, turns and starts talking to Larry. <laughs> <laughs> That's Caleb. Okay. <laughs> I feel blessed because uh, I reconnected with Caleb for oh. a couple of years, and he did call me last night on it. That's, oh, yeah, he, uh, unbelievable. You know, like I said, I remember the Yankees wanted to integrate uh, a lot in the, in the facility, so I roomed with Caleb, Larry Murray, and Terry Whitfield. Terry Whitfield. Yeah. And it was me. And – I those guys, I would make them laugh because they all thought images of New York. I was a gangster, you know. <laughs> you are, <laughs> and you know. And Terry came from. If I could tell you, and I can't. When I said to Caleb last night, hey, I talked to Andy Costello yesterday. If I could give words for the nickname that he had for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Caleb, Caleb is awesome. And, and him and I, we would talk, he'd tell me so many of the stories of Chicago, you know, uh, the rough thing. And Terry grew up in Blythe, California. I don't even know where that is. It's like, I will always remember a funny story about Terry. I don't know if you remember this, you know, he, uh, he never drank. He never did anything like that. And then he's rooming with me, Caleb, <laughs> and Larry. And uh, they, that was a mistake. And I remember in spring training, though, Smitty, he once got in a car accident. And I remember asking him, uh, Terry, you don't drink. You don't do anything. How did you get in a car accident? It was right by the stadium. And you, and you know what he told me? This is one of the funniest things I ever heard. He says, Arnie, I was driving by the cemetery, and I swear I saw a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I will. That was. <laughs> 2019. The only Yankees were owned by a man, a gentleman named Sam Nader. Right. And when we were there, and Sam Nader was turning 100 years old in the summer of 2019. Arnie knows this, Reggie. Yeah. So they invited as many people as could get there to come back to have a little bit of a reunion. And uh, they were also honoring the 1969 team that had won the New York Penn League Championship on its 50-year anniversary. So, I mean, the only honor is only about four hours from where I live. So so I was able to get there. And I spent I spent my time with Caleb Glover and Terry Whitfield. Uh, that, um, that, that had to be so much fun. It was a blessing. Terry had a really good major league career. He did. Uh, he was with the Giants for a while. I remember this, I remember that. 
that, that, was a that is so unbelievable when that happens. You and know what? I know at a hundred or something. Yeah. You know what I remember? One time I met someone out here in California and they said they were from Oneonta, New York. And I started talking to him and I told him I played for the O Yanks. And he said, oh, really? He said, uh, well, we used to go to games and, uh, you know, and he told me it was 70, whatever. One, one, I don't remember the years I was even on the, those clubs. And, you know, and he said, wait a minute. We are you the left-hander who threw that ball hard? He said, you gave me a baseball, but he said it was so precious because I remember how hard you threw it. And I said, yeah, I had that reputation. I mean, throwing that hard. And it was so funny. That's why I'm humbled by what you just said. And, and it just, well, it's so you. great. We all threw as hard as we could. I threw as hard as you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> We had a great time. And that's what it's about. The, enjoying the journey along the way, making friends, elevating people, and being elevated by other people. And that's just, you know, the positive part of life. And that, that's what athletics gives you, opportunity to have to develop meaningful, long-term relationships. And again, as you mentioned earlier, you learn how to lose, to learn how to will, to win. And that takes you places that you never imagined. You know, I'm just a pole block boy from... Greenbrier Project in Atlanta and High Point Project in Seattle, and I've seen and visited every major city in the United States of America. Had it not been for athletics, yes, yes, quack, quack. It had not been for athletics, I never would have had the chance to do all that. Unbelievable, Smitty. It, it, connecting with you is so wonderful. It really is. It's just so, so great. Yeah. You blinked and it was gone, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got white hair and I still got my hair, but. Uh... <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I got little hair I do have. I shave it off so I can get all that white going. <laughs> uh... <laughs> As you can see, Rick, we have a fun time doing this podcast. Well, guess what? You'll be back. Well, you're going to be back. We're going to bring you on because it's always we'll we'll just talk more about having a good time. And and here, look what's going on in the world. And yet we are feeling and still laughing and we're kicking the world in the butt. We're not letting it kick us in the butt. And you've been kicked in the butt by, you know, your health issues and you won't allow that. That's what I'm saying. That's what what impresses Positive me. mindset. Yeah. Well, you have to know that there's things bigger than you and just, you know, yeah. be comfortable with that, right? You walk in faith and it's amazing the things you can accomplish and the, and the positive people you can have in your life. Rick, you know something? Amen. Do me a favor. To the number that Reggie sent you, uh, uh, why don't you fax one of your pictures of you in the uniform? Because this way we could put that on right. the... Uh, the uh, the podcast, okay? Um, you mean, you mean, uh, I'll send you my email. No, it don't matter. Yeah, I don't care what. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I want to see it in uniform. USA one, I'll send okay. All right. Text that over. Appreciate you, man. It's been Thursday with Arnie, and we've had Rick Smith. Rick Smith here, and from Boston, Massachusetts. You know, I teach a class at 
Boston College on sports marketing uh, uh, every summer. So this summer, I'll definitely get you on and let you talk to the young people. Yes, we'll get that done. We'll record that. That's cool. You'll enjoy that, Rick, because now you'll be teaching again, and uh, you got two teachers together. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we got old war stories. Yeah. yeah we got them. Was, it Bob, was it Bob Seger who said, I wish I didn't know now what I didn't know now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It's been Thursday. This is Arnie. I'm Reginald Grant. You can find me at ReginaldGrant.com. I'm Arnie Costell at ArnieCostell.com, and you are? Go ahead, Rick. <laughs> I have about 7 million in the United States. That's right. Rick Smith. That's a phony name, but you're still pretty cool in my book. All right, <laughs> buddy. It, Rick. Have a great day. Stay warm. Stay warm, buddy.